G'day Groovy Humans and welcome to Groovy Enlighten Life. I'm your host Maya Joseph. Today we are talking with Sam Led, who is an intuitive transformation coach, podcaster and author, who shares his thoughts and experiences around how we are more than our thoughts, that we are not broken and nothing needs fixing. We are perfect in every way. So sit back, relax, grab a cuppa and let's get cracking. Welcome to the show, Sam. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for uh, having me on today. No worries. It's, uh, uh, the next day, where you are, you're in the you're in the future. Yes, yes. You I are the, the future. future. I am the future. Already seeing the past. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Let's start by you sharing a little bit about yourself and what you do mm-hmm. in the world. Well, my name is Sam. I'm Sam Bled. I'm a transformational coach and soon to be author of the book called Fearless. And I have a podcast and I work with people that are in recovery, people that are struggling with their marriages, with their mental health issues that are either working with a therapist or um, gave up on therapy and they want to look at they want to look at something from a different perspective. The something being why they keep fall, falling into the same patterns, why they are not feeling good, why are they unhappy? And it's interesting. It's really just starts out with a conversation. And and the interesting thing is is I didn't start out as a coach. I was a facilitator. Uh, my graduate degrees in conflict resolution, peace studies. So I worked as an ombudsman. I uh, did public policy work, environmental work in um, Washington, D.C. I, I've been all over the map. And then I, I got um, I became certified as a Reiki practitioner and I did a lot of energy work, opened up a, a brick and mortar practice here in Santa Barbara. And I end up, end, ended up doing the exact same thing I started doing, which was having a conversation. Yeah. And the conversation led to, oh, wait, there's the the insight that I didn't do anything. I just kind of facilitated the insight of my client or whoever was on the other side of me. And I, I realized that, that I, I don't need to really do anything, but point my clients back home. And we'll get into that, what home is, but hmm. Very I nice. gave up, I gave it up already. You gave it up. <laughs> we'll yep. just continue. That's, I, that's all I do. That's all I do. Yeah. I just sat, I just sit and make people laugh. I try to make people laugh. But um, 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 the interesting thing is, is that the work and the understanding um, that I, I do with my clients and, and, in, and I use, I, I walk the walk and talk the talk um, is essentially that, that we're not broken as a species, as human beings, this physical body with this mechanical machine but there's so much beyond that, this brain, the supercomputer, this laptop between our ears, there's a spiritual being in there that's really in control. But the brain and the ego, they think they're in control. And then there's a clash. And when the clash happens, that's when people think they get lost. Mm -hmm. They think that, that, you know, for whatever's going on outside of them, divorce, health issues, financial, old age, whatever it is, is because of something that they're doing to cause them to feel crappy. And, and when they see that they're, 
their essential nature, who they are, is hopeful and positive and loving and, and, and resilient. You know, but there is a great metaphor for, um, for all of that. Um, and it's interesting because I'm nervous talking to you because, <laughs> you know, I just, I'm talking to you and you're across the world and, and we just met, but I can see my thinking going to, oh, I'm anxious. I saw my thinking. And now I'm back here. I'm in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And when I can just be human like that, it's, it's amazing. So, so the good metaphor for us as human beings is this physical body, this machine with a spiritual, big spiritual piece to it, which is the whole enchilada, is that we're diamonds covered in doo-doo and crap coated with lipstick. Nice. So essentially, we are all diamonds. But, but what happens is, is, you know, thought gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And thought is a gift, but we use it incorrectly. It's the most brilliant tool, but we use it uh, the wrong way sometimes, innocently. Absolutely. It feels like you're prescribing to the, that saying, we are not our thoughts, our feelings, or our emotions. We're beyond that. Yeah, and that's hard, right? Because mm. you know, our, our, you know, I remember when I was getting divorced, and this is before I got introduced to the understanding of the three principles, which... Uh, was discovered. It's it's in Australia. There's a whole three P's community in Australia and in the UK, all over the world. It was discovered by this very ordinary man named Sid Banks, and he was a welder from British Columbia. You know, he he had a really normal life. He had a you know marriage and children, but he was really insecure all the time. He was always caught up in drama. He was never really happy, and then and then one day he was having a discussion with one of his coworkers and, and Sid asked his coworker, how does this look right? You know, I, I, how does this look right here? And his coworker said, you look great, Sid. The problem is you're just feeling insecure right now. And there was a light bulb. He's like, Oh, <laughs> all that is made up in real time by this brain. That's creating a narrative as we walk down the street, innocently trying to keep us safe you know, labeling and trying to find a fall guy for when we're feeling crappy or the reason why we're having this issue or this financial problem or this illness. But in reality, we know thought can't keep us safe. And we also know through this understanding that, that our, our default state of who we are is perfect. Mm -hmm. it's, it's thought that contaminates it sometimes. And it's, it's when I got divorced... I, I literally, I didn't know what to do, but I was really grief stricken. Um, I, I was really lost. And when I got introduced to this understanding a couple of years ago, not only did it change the course of my coaching practice, but it helped me finish my book. Uh, I found love again. In fact, I have this wonderful partner I've been with for, for many years now. And, and it kind of repointed me back to who I always, always was, which is happy, good, calm, resilient, hopeful, just being present. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's, that's really the, you know, that's the, where the gold bullion is, is, is presence. And it's so important to see that, but we don't pay attention to enough. You know, we, we're just one thought away from mental health, but we don't pay attention to it enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yes, I love that. Okay. I love that statement from you. We are, we all have mental health within us. 
It is our default state. And all of us are just one thought away from mental health. I just love yeah. that. <laughs> and it, it, it helps. It, it's, it's amazing because like I, I, when we get caught up in the machinery of our thinking, like when I get into a, a, a silly argument with my partner or, you know, my, my family or whatever it is, we, we innocently get caught up and it's okay to, to, to go there. Like we're all human. We have our frailties and we will do it. And we're going to go crazy. And, and, and our, comp- our supercomputer is going to glitch. Our brain's going to make errors like it always does. It's just like a laptop computer. You know, we're in control. Our, 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 our soul, our consciousness, that, that is the true essence of who we are. Um, as, as one very brilliant coach called it, it's the blue dot underneath our thinking. <laughs> we think that our thinking is running the show. And innocently, we get caught up in our thinking thinking our thinking and, <laughs> and it's like where does it end and then you know that's why we have nervous breakdowns that's why we have psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists but when we see it that, that we don't have control of our thinking that it moves through us like weather like it's like the cloud where the sky and the clouds are our thinking our thoughts and when we don't pay, when we don't take it so seriously when we're really feeling our thinking we're really caught up it's so liberating and it's hard to hear that because we're so conditioned to look at it the other way, right? Absolutely. There's something wrong yeah. with this. We need to fix yeah, it. Yeah, need to fix it. That's right. Yeah. And that's hard because it's, it's, in, it's ingrained in, 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 in psychology and in Western society or in all over the world in popular culture that, that you know, you, if you have, if you're depressed, you need to go to a therapist and they need to prescribe you medication, which is great training wheels to calm down the noise in the mind. But then you know you're gonna you're gonna be depressed. You're gonna have to live with this. Or in my case, being diagnosed with ADHD, Sam, you're gonna have to manage this the rest of your life. It's gonna be a part of you. Yeah, and that's not fair because it's, mm-hmm. it's not the sum total of me. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. People prescribe to what they're being told, and they and they believe that because they don't know any different as well. And so they go down these paths and like you just described your ADHD. I mean, when did you first, you know, get that someone actually say that to you and what were your thoughts around that? Well, interestingly enough, when I was six or seven years old, this is back in the early eighties, this is elementary, early elementary school. I was diagnosed with a learning disability that mimicked some of the symptoms, the so-called symptoms or I call it ADHD thinking. It's, it's not, you know, whatever it is, whatever the brain's doing, the brain's doing. And, and it wasn't only to only later on in my early twenties that, that I got an official diagnosis for ADHD. Cause back then they really had a, no idea really what ADD ADHD was. It was in the early, in the beginnings. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I got prescribed medication, which does help calm down the noise. You know, it gives you that boost of dopamine. But then when I was introduced to this understanding that those of you that are listening, you can go to my Instagram page or you can go to my website. You can learn it on your own. You can just YouTube, Google search Sid Banks and the three principles. I realized that it wasn't that there was something wrong with me. There was, I wasn't ADHD. I didn't have a disattention issue. I wasn't, um, I was just attention different, really. I mean, it wasn't like there was some kind of, something wrong with my brain. I think we, it's, it's a neurotype. I think that folks with ADHD have a specific neurotype, just like folks with, you know, Asperger's. Yep. 
And, and I'm sure a, a doctor would say, you know, Sam, you don't know what you're talking about and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's okay. I don't think people with Asperger's or people that, you know, are on the autis autism spectrum, there's anything wrong with them. No, I just think they have a different kind of brain. Yeah. So that's a long answer. No, that's but. perfect. <laughs> so how has your ADHD journey uh, impacted and influenced your life so far today? I wish, well, and that's a, that's like a two-part question. The first part is um, it's impacted me in a negative way where the, the, the stigma Mm. it's almost yeah. like I was conditioned to have ADHD right yeah right you it's like if you talk to someone in recovery from alcohol they're conditioned to be an alcoholic they're broken they're powerless you know the, tw the 12 steps and that works I'm not poo-pooing the 12 steps this is not a debate on what is right for someone and not right for someone you know and in fact anyone everyone listening to this don't listen to my words you know seek out the truth yourself and, and I and again I'm not I'm not pushing this on anyone but when I when I realized it was a stigma um and I ended up doing ADHD kind of things because mm -hmm. oh yeah you have ADHD it was like conditioned it was it was in, it was a, a program in my hard drive in my in my brain so yeah. um you know I impulsivity um financially making financial mistakes you know this is in my in my late 20s early 30s what else? Um, you know, experimenting with drugs, just just things that you know. I, I because I wasn't really mindful, wasn't really aware, um, and things that you know, as a as a young adult, especially growing up in in South Florida too. I, I spent time in um, my college years in South Florida. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know things down in South Beach and Miami that you can get yourself in trouble with. <laughs> um, but but it was it was that I just didn't understand how my brain my mind worked. And it's unfortunate it took what, you know, into my middle, in, into my mid forties to really, really see that, that how the mind really works versus the label and the stigma that was put on me, just like it's placed on a lot of folks that have ADHD or whatever it is, doesn't matter. And that's, that there's, that's a real shame. And I've started mm -hmm. believing that I'm just going to be walking around being impulsive and being overstimulated and forgetting things and, um, et cetera, et cetera, having a lot of anxiety. And instead, just looking at it as that's just how my brain works. And when I'm, in, when I'm anxious, I could just see it's a lot of anxious thinking on board and take a step back from it and just slow down, which yeah. helps a lot, just being mindful. Yeah. So for somebody out there who's experiencing like ADHD or, or just obsessed with their thoughts and thinking and thinking that it controls them, what is, I guess, the, your method? What's your method of becoming present? You've mentioned that a couple of times now. So what's your method? How do you do it? And I, I'm glad you asked that question. Because with, with the client work that I do, the understanding of the three principles, which I keep mentioning, but it's not really an understanding. It's, it's not even a method. There is no method. There is no tool. In fact, the, the, from where I look at it and from a lot of coaches, coaches that, that share this understanding of the three principles that we are not the sum total of our thinking, that, that it's the inside out, not the outside in, that we have this infinite intelligence within us underneath this thing called thought. If, if we pay attention to it enough, when we get quiet. So some, the method really is, is when, when we are sped up and caught up in judgment, in my case, <laughs> I'm having an ADHD moment, ADHD thinking where I'm just anxious 
overwhelmed, overstimulated, and and uh, I have to do a presentation in front of people, I'll just look at my thinking in the moment, like, oh, there it goes. It's on a, you know, my, it's like my brain gone wild, you know, like that. There's a show in the night, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's, I'm just looking at it. I'm just seeing it like a ticker tape. And, and I'm just looking at it and just getting really curious about that, you know, thinking that I'm really excited to do this presentation. I'm, I really love my work. I love my clients. I love what I do. There's really no reason why I'm feeling this way. I just got a lot of anxious thinking on board. And the more you look at that piece, right? And the more you see what your default state is, because we we drop in and out of our default state of all being and calm all day long. We just don't pay attention to it enough. Yep. Then we see the glitch in the system, the matrix, I call it. <laughs> then we can take off the, right? Like, yeah. Think about that. For, it's, it's Then we can take off the Oculus glasses. I'm going really nerdy you know full matrix um, now um, full matrix now and and see what what's up, what's up with the brain you know the brain is a brilliant supercomputer that is is only as good as what you feed it and unfortunately unfortunately we have all this conditioning on board you know through society our families etc that that the brain is picked up over time but once you can be aware of that the brain is doing the best it can with the thinking on board at that moment. And when you see that thinking is moving through us, like, like energy is moving through, or like a thunderstorm is moving through the, through the sky. Remember the metaphor I used before that we are the sky and the clouds are our thoughts. You're going to have some turbulence, some thought turbulence now and again, whether you are successful, happily married and with three wonderful kids living in a beautiful house on the gold coast, or you're, you're, you're poor and destitute, you, you're still going to have thought turbulence. It's, it's the system glitching innocently. And when the system glitches, it tries to fall, find a fall guy for when it's glitching, when we're in a bad mood, when we're in a low state of mind. And when we're in a mucked up state of mind, it's like, it's like having a distorted, um, uh, dirty lens on your camera. You know, if you take a picture with a distorted lens that has muck stuff all over it, it's not, not going to be the greatest photo with the greatest resolution. The same thing with our thinking when for no reason at all, because we, we, our moods fluctuate all day long. When we're in a low state of mind, that's not the time to make decisions. That's not the time to, to respond to your, to your, your upset or mad uh, a spouse that's yelling at you for some reason, <laughs> whatever it is. That's not, that's not the time to open your mouth. Now, if you're doing a, you're about to go on, on, on stage and do a presentation and you're really caught up there there are so many ways to not do anything but sit with it or stand up and look outside look at your at the crowd and look at your your audience and take the focus off yourself because naturally our thinking always settles i'm anxious right i was anxious when i first started this this podcast with you but i'm still we're still having this conversation i didn't like (laughs) implode i didn't just like you know, self-combust, the same thing goes with anxious and and overwhelmed thinking. You can be the sound observer of it. You can still do something that that's your, your brain is, is labeling as scary or uncomfortable because let's face it, you know, all of us gets, you know, get nervous when we go up in front of people. And, and, you know, I think I saw a study where people are more afraid of public speaking than death, which is really weird. (laughs) Did you know that? (laughs) 
The brain but, also is strange. Not, but also not strange. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, so just seeing it and, and knowing that your true nature is, is calm, chill, good, happy, full of resilience and capable. That's no baloney. That's, that's who we are. We see it all day long that we drop in and out of the flow state. The less of, the less of, of, of that anxious or scary thinking on board will, will be impactful will, or have some influence on our daily decisions, especially when we're making that presentation. And the more we see that, the more we could just see, uh-oh, I'm, I'm losing the plot right now. My, my thing is going <laughs> sideways. You know, let's, um, let's pump the brakes, you know, let's slow the car down. Let's, let's slow down the plane. The better we are seeing it, the less it has any like power over us. That's it. Yeah. And that's it. And, and the less we take and what the more, the less we, we have the focus on us, our on our, on our, on our anxiety. And the more we focus on the task at hand, the less it is a big deal. And the more we do that, um, we take it less seriously over time. You're still going to be scared, but it's not going to sabotage your presentation. Yeah. That's a long answer. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no need to be sorry, Matt. It was perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Thank you. Thank you. So it's it's like helping people, I guess, to become more aware of their thinking, their feelings in the moment, and then choosing to allow them to just flow through. And well, what I call is becoming the observer. So actually observing it more so from a distance, but you're still feeling it. It's not like you're trying to cut it off. You still feel, you go through the motions, but as you said, you just don't attach to it and you don't let it dictate how you're going to show up. It was interesting. I had uh, my sister called me, um, and this is a good example, but a, a different kind of example of, of, of crazy and, and anxious and scary and emotional stuff thinking. Um, she called me the other day about an argument she got into with someone very close, um, uh, friend of the family, and she was so distraught. How dare she say this to me? And I started to laugh. <laughs> and she was really not, not happy with me. Like she thought I was making fun of her because she was being, you know, the hysterics. And I said, you know, right now, I wouldn't take any of this, you know, drama seriously until you settle. I said, uh, and the one thing I learned from being your older brother years and decades later <laughs> is that when you and I are in an argument, and of course we're, she's, we're Hungarian. So we also stereotypically have a big, you know, reactive temper. I said, <laughs> um, you know what, if you take that less seriously right now, and that's not a good time to, to react or make any decisions. I know it stinks right now. I know it's uncomfortable. Just let it settle and then come back to me in an hour. Let's have another conversation. Hmm. And she's like, is this my brother talking? <laughs> Who is this person on the <laughs> other side of the phone? <laughs> <laughs> um, is this a prank call? <laughs> <Who is> <laughs> And, and, and a couple hours later, uh, uh, we got back on the phone and she was calm and she really saw where her mind went. And we all do it. I mean, mm, we're absolutely. all capable of being, a, of being of a lunatic in our heads. I mean, it's like our brain does the one flew over the cuckoo's nest thing. And then an hour later, we're like, wow, <laughs> you know, brain, you're brilliant, but you have your, your capability to, 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 you know, write a, write a soap opera from nothing is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, isn't it? And that's probably something that people need to appreciate too. You know, don't just discard the fact that that's you right. have a beautiful brain, you know? Exactly. You, all of you have a beautiful brain. I don't care if you're wealthy or poor, you know, 
healthy, sick, old or young, short, tall, mustache or no mustache, you know, your brain is brilliant and it's designed, it's very resilient, but it's not perfect. It's like, um, I don't know, Windows or iOS or Android, you know, the oper- <laughs> it's, it has an operating system that hasn't had an update since the Paleolithic <laughs> era. I mean, I mean, think about that. Like we're dealing with some old evolutionary um, equipment on board, like mm. our lizard brain or, you know, our limbic system is pretty darn old. And when you can look at it from that perspective, you can be more compassionate, even though in the moment, and sometimes we get caught up, sometimes we get so caught up that we actually start believing our thinking in the moment and we react and that's okay too. Yeah. Cause that's what, and maybe that was what you were supposed to do. I don't know. But what I do know is that the less you take it seriously and the less is, is convincing the brain, look, the brain's the greatest used car salesman. Let's, let's, it'll convince you that, that, you know, the person across the street or, or the guy that cut you off on the freeway or the, or the, or the highway um, is a jerk, is um, a terrible person and deserves to be yelled at or whatever, you know, when we get cut off on the road, on the freeway. But is that necessarily true? I don't think so. I think that, you know, we got some crazy thinking on board that we have been conditioned. Conditioned. We correct. have been conditioned over time to to react that way because it's very mm. much ismo. Yeah. And I'm waiting for the upgrade because I think that, that, <laughs> that the whole thinking and the thought around we're still back in those times and this is how we operate currently is conditioning in itself. And the more we keep relying on that thinking and belief, we're going to keep doing it and experience exactly. it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and, and you don't have to, when, when, we, when we look at this understanding, which look, it's just it, a different type of conversation about uh, an age old understanding of how mind works, you know, science of mind, et cetera, that, you know, and all the great sages got it. Buddha, Jesus, the Maharishi, you name it, who name your favorite all-star prophet, guru, whatever. They're what they were so present and, and so grounded and they saw the power and, and the, the fault of our brains innocently because our brain innocently is doing it. Um, and they were able to forgive. They were able to show compassion. And, you know, mm-hmm. now when I get into an argument with my partner, because we get into arguments with our partners until we will do it until we're 90 years old or past that, I know that at that moment, even if it feels like my partner is doing something to me, which is, you know, making me mad and angry or, or she's doing something that's annoying or, or I'm being annoying and she thinks that I'm being annoying. We know that it's not us. We know that it's the other person's just got some thinking on board, conditioned thinking, and the brain's gonna, gonna blame the other person. The, the brain has to find a fall guy for, yeah. for the reason why you're feeling like this, even and, and, and what I stopped doing is, you know, criticizing my partner for, for my state of mind, even mm-hmm. if my brain is telling me otherwise, because how's that possible? You know, um, I have a set, I have a set of equipment on board and she has a set of equipment on board her brain. And, and we, you know, where there's nothing outside of us that can cause us to feel anything, but our brain has it backwards because we feel that way we have a low mood when nothing's happening when our partner's not yelling at us or our partner's not being annoying we can also be in a good mood and our partner's being annoying we can laugh it off so how do you explain that yeah. like i can be annoying i can be annoying we all can be annoying i can be especially annoying people and and my partner and is in a great mood 
and she might laugh at me or, you know, throw a banana at me. I don't know, you know, be silly, <laughs> you know, I, or, or she could be in a bad mood. She had a bad day at work and then she might react innocently. And then I won't take it personally because I know that she's just got on some, some caught up thinking on board. And I'm not talking about physical abuse. You know, if, if someone's mm -hmm. dealing with that, then there's no excuse for that. Now, there's a term called psychological innocence that I want to share with the audience that really means is, is um, when someone's caught up in a low mood and they do something that you would perceive to be not cool, whatever it is, whether they are rude or obnoxious, that's innocent. And that's hard to hear because we're, our brain needs to, you know, the ego and the brain is working in tandem to, 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 to protect us. And they need, the brain needs to find a, a comeback to protect yep. us when there's nothing to protect. It's just someone in a bad, low state of mind. Psychological innocence is all about that, that we all day long have a certain level of thinking on board. And now if we're in a good mood, it's wonderful. We're, we are being our, our true self when it's low level thinking, when it's anxiety or it's anger, um, that's not something you want to, to grab onto, even though it feels real. And especially when people do terrible things, even though there are consequences for actions, you know, people that do terrible things to each other should be, you know, put in prison or they should have consequences, but they still at that moment had a level of, of psychological innocence that was running through them, which means that they had a level of thinking at the time they, they, they kind of got caught up in. And then when it settled, they realized what the, the mistake they made. The same thing and the same thing with relationships. So yeah. that's where you can have compassion for your partner, even when the partner is, is blaming you for why, you, um, why they broke a nail or you know, the dishes are dirty and whatever, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and making and being angry about it. I love that term, uh, psychological innocence. I think that really brings a bit of perspective um, for you yourself, you know, experiencing it, either whether you're giving it or you're receiving it. I think it's just to understand that simple context behind that. That's um, beautiful. And, and it's once, once we really see how the mind works, that, 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 we can point back to what I call going home, which is our true nature, our true mm -hmm. essence. It's a, and I call it, a lot of practitioners call it a spiritual truth where we, we are not born from a, from a chaotic, you know, um, overstimulated, anxious, thought turbulent persona. That's not who we are. That's momentary. That's, that's, that's a transitionary thing. It's not static. And once we see that thought's not static, that's moving through us like the weather, we won't take it on board. We won't take it as seriously. And that, that can be so liberating, especially at work, when we're dealing with a difficult client, when we're dealing with a difficult boss or a colleague at work, even though, you know, maybe our livelihood's at stake or when we, when we see it that way, we suffer less. And then we can, by being in the present moment more, when we are not caught up in, in the moment, we can make better decisions. We can, and that's where all the creative stuff comes from. That's where we fall in love and we write the next book and we create a podcast. Yep. Absolutely. And it's, it's wonderful. Um, and it's right there. It's right there, you know, in front of us, but sometimes, sometimes we don't pay attention to it enough. Yeah. And there's, and there's the rub. That is. We're just one thought away. Yeah. <laughs> 
life gets in the way. Is that true? <laughs> no, life, life, is, life is, is neutral, you know, Absolutely. and that's the thing when, when the Oculus glasses are on, okay, <laughs> when we're in the simulation, mm-hmm. right, when we're in our thinking, we're up here in our, caught up in our, you know, our rigid, um, conceptually based, intellectualized, momentary thinking, right, the brain goes into like this mode, right, it's like, it, it's zooming into the problem, and it's hyper focusing in it, and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the Terminator, you know, um, <laughs> you know with Sarakana, you know, it's like it, it's zooming into the to the target. That's what the brain does sometimes. But when we see that the brain is brain loves you, it's just trying to keep you safe. But the only thing the brain knows how to do is to keep you safe with thought. And thought doesn't keep you safe. You keep yourself safe, not not your 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 nutty thinking at the time. And when we see it that way, it's a lot easier to not take the bait and believe everything that the brain's doing. You don't have to believe every thought and the quality of our thinking, you know, is, is the ultimate check engine light, right? It's the ultimate barometer to, you know, our state of mind. If our state of mind is sideways, if we're, you know, if we're, our cognitive lens is distorted at that moment, it's not a time to, you know, make a business decision or a marital decision or whatever, just, you know, any decision, <laughs> any decision, right. You know, you know, don't drive angry, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and, but it's so liberating when we're really feeling upset about something or we're just, you know, anxious or depressed for no reason. When we can see it, it's just the brain glitching mm. that thought always settles that we have on board a thought settling system where the, the operating system in our brain is constantly updating. So we always get new, fresh thought moving through when we can really rest in that and know that the less of a, less of a, of a self-sabotaging experience we have when we are really, really in a low mood. I mean, if you can imagine, you know, especially with folks that are, uh, you know, have dealt with suicide and, and, you know, just deep depression and these horrible things. I mean, if they were, this if they were uh, they had had this understanding on board. I'm not saying that it would work for everybody, but it, w- it would save a lot of people, and it has saved a lot of people this understanding. And they have had practitioners go into prisons and share this understanding of how the mind works. And and prisoners when they left, the clients would, uh, coaches would go in for a couple months and work with prisoners, especially like in big prisons like here in California, we have San Quentin. They would go in um, and work with hundreds of prisoners. And by the time they, they left, the prisoners felt more free than a lot of people on the outside. How is that possible? Mm. Yep. They got it. They saw their yep. blue dot. They figured it out. Yep. That's it. Yeah. That's a beautiful story. <laughs> I, love, I love hearing those types of things happening in the world. You know. It, it's, it's, you know, the, the inside out understanding of how this works is, is miraculous. It's really... Mm. I mean, my life is so much better. Mm. My clients' lives are so much better. And I'm not doing anything special. I'm just trying to get them in a feel-good feeling, trying to just get them into the present moment. I want them to see who they really are, which is good. Mm. Not crazy, you know, low self-esteem thinking they have on board, whatever it is. I want them to see who they really are, even though on paper their life might be hopeless. It's not the case. It's it's all a bunch of thinking. Because you know, homeless people are still happy sometimes, and 
people that have terminal illnesses have moments of happiness. I mean, how do you explain that thought? Absolutely. That's beautiful. Now you've shared an amazing amount of wisdom today on the show, right. but yes. is there one piece of wisdom you'd like to share with us or to somebody who's experiencing or has experienced a sense of loss in their life or some sort of major setback? That's a great one. Give me a second on that one. That's a wonderful question or a wonderful. Um, yeah. If, if you push yourself out of, and I don't know if it's some, um, it's not really words of wisdom. It's more like, you know, my, my uncle just passed away a week ago and uh, my aunt's having a terrible time. You know, after my uncle Steve passed, um, you know, it was, it was predicted he had leukemia, it, you know, he suffered and it was horrible, but he was a very decent man. And when, when, when you sit with it, when you sit with grief or when you sit with just that feeling of loss, pay attention to when you get really present Pay attention to when you're just feeling calm, even though everything outside of you is falling apart for no reason, you know, that, that if you are grieving right now, you know, grieving is part of, of the, the, the mind and, and this, the heart and the soul's ability to, to um, upgrade and to um, move through some, some energy that is just sitting there. That it's that's that needs to move through, and that grieving and, and dealing with loss is very normal. But when you think of you know the memory of someone you lost, or, or you're currently grieving the loss of somebody, or even a pet, get really calm, get really quiet. As hard as that sounds, you know your brain's gonna argue with you, say, hey, you know, you, your life is terrible right now. You're miserable. You should be like in a dark room with the covers over your head on some heavy you know, sedatives, maybe, I don't know. Um, I don't think the dark room thing is helpful, but, but, you know, just get quiet, go outside, take a walk, you know, whether you're in a big city or wherever you are, just, just get calm, get quiet and watch the quality of your thinking change. And what ends up happening is the memories of that person you lost, instead of it becoming wrapped up in that feeling of, you know, foreboding, hardship and grief and, and sadness, it turns into this expansive feeling of celebration. Now I'm talking about celebrating with, you know, fireworks and, you know, big block party. I'm talking about celebrating those moments of expansive calm that you can remember with your loved one, because all our calm moments are the moments that are the best moments. That's when we find that, that the nirvana within us, that's when we find our, 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 our central state, our, who we are, our true nature, our North star, what some people call it. Um, yeah. Our North star is a good one. Um, it, it's really who, who we are. And when you can get calm, pay attention to some of the wisdom that comes through. Now I'm not talking about like, it's all of a sudden, you know, it's going to be some kind of cosmic, you know, spiritual event. I'm talking about just very ordinary moment, just getting calm and, and watch your thinking, just calm down. And even someone who's grieving has those moments. But when those moments happen and, 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 and that moment gets really expansive and big, not big like, you know, something like incredibly like awe-inspiring. I'm just talking a very ordinary moment. I would take out a sheet of paper and just brain dump, see what comes out, see what wisdom comes out. And the more you do that, and it would sound so simplistic and some of the, 
you know, our brain likes to complicate everything. When the brain starts to complicate things and you're really wrapped up, that's not the time to do any of this. That's the time to sit still. But when you drop into that moment, take out a piece of paper and just, you know, it's like automatic writing. Some people call it and see what comes through. Um, I've seen some miraculous things with that because the sun will shine again. As hard as it is for people right now listening that are going through some horrible thing, horrible grief, the sun will shine again, but the sun always shines within you as cliched. And you know, that sounds, it always shines within you all day long. We just don't pay attention to it enough as, as difficult that is to hear for someone grieving. And you'll see that diamond. And when you, when you start getting that insight and wisdom and you start relaxing into, into hope again and not feeling hopeless, when, 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 you know, your world came crashing in, when someone passed away or you lost someone dear to you, when you see that your, your, um, that your wisdom and insight is a calm voice that's just waiting to come out and is always there on tap, but, you know, sometimes thought gets in the way. And the more we do that, the more we see. And you can just sit, you can, you can just sit in the back of your, if you're religious, that's great too. You don't have to be spiritual or religious. I'm not particularly spiritual, but if you are sitting in the back of your church or your synagogue or your mosque or, you know, you don't have to learn a special mantra to move through grief. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to, um, you know, learn a special technique, thought stopping, affirmation, whatever. Those are great for some people, but you can never stop thought. No matter what affirmation, tapping technique, you know, EFT, NLP, I can name every, there's so many different techniques. That might quiet the brain down temporarily, but it never really lasts because you, you don't need to fix something that's not broken because it's built into the system. Our system is working perfectly, but it doesn't sometimes just like turbulence on an airplane. That's not fun sometimes. I mean, especially on a long haul uh, flight, if you go in Australia, turbulence <laughs> is not fun. Well, neither is, is grief and neither is, is depression and neither is, is anxiety or, you know, or panic attacks. I mean, that stuff is, is very, very debilitating. But the more you see it as thought, the more you see it as moving through you, the less over time it will have such a stranglehold on you. It's mm -hmm. as hard as that right now is to hear for those of you that are caught up in grief. So that's what I would say. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Are there any final words or thoughts that you would love to share with us today? Well, um, I, I uh, have a, um, if anyone wants to check out my, um, some of this insight into the work that I do, you can go to my Instagram page. I don't mean to give myself a plug, but you know, I, I really want to be a source of, of, you know, be, be helpful to people that are really struggling. Um, because none of you are the sum total that struggle right now. Um, go to my, uh, Instagram page, Sam like consulting, or you can and DM me if you want to take a deep dive and have a conversation, um, offer um, complimentary consultation. And, and I would, I would check out the, the, the work of Sydney banks and the three principles. It's all free. And, and if you are struggling right now with grief, you know, this, it's, this is not the ending chapter of your life. You know, you have so much, regardless of what station in life you're in, you know, the only thing that is preventing you from seeing that is your thinking. And that's hard because we, we don't live in a world of our outside reality. We live in a world of thinking, right? 
Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Stan. Thank you. This is so brilliant. And and I, I love your show. And it's um I want I want to uh, just say I'm I'm just grateful and honored. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. If you would like to get in contact with Sam and learn more about what he does in the world, head to sagacityrising.com forward slash AGEL033. There you will find the show notes and links to find and follow Sam. Looking for some guidance around your soul's purpose and path in life? Then Soul Path Mentoring may be for you. Soul Path Mentoring is flexible and can be customized to your individual needs. Find out more at sagacityrising.com forward slash SPM and book your free call to discuss with me today. Thank you for taking time out of your life to join me on the podcast today. Stay guru, my friends. Maya out.